going five miles a second, you can look down and, and gently see the Earth go by from a, a viewpoint that is very unique. Uh, exciting every single time to look out the window and uh, watch a sunrise or a sunset. It was spectacular. This is First Person. Welcome to this week's conversation. I'm Wayne Shepard. And in a moment, we'll be talking with former Space Shuttle Commander Dom Gorey, now retired, who will tell us about his flying career and his testimony of faith in Christ. You can learn more about our guests each week through our online presence. We have both a website and a Facebook page for First Person. We'd welcome you to visit either one. The website is firstpersoninterview.com, where you can stream any past interview and see others on the upcoming schedule. And on Facebook, you can read the comments of other listeners and leave your own. Go to facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Once again, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Also, our smartphone app is now available as well for both iPhone and Android devices. Look for First Person Interview in your app store for an easy way to listen each week. Well, a mutual friend and first-person listener introduced me to our guest today, astronaut Dom Gorey, who flew on four space shuttle missions, two as commander. Now retired, Captain Gorey lives in Colorado, and he agreed to join me on the phone, and we began by talking about his early career. Well, I went to the Naval Academy um primarily to fly. I knew I wanted to uh, be a pilot, and I thought they had the best pilots um, having to fly off aircraft carriers. Uh, and also went up there because they had a great wrestling team, and, and I was still interested in doing that in college. Um, so I got out uh, in 1979 and uh, started flying and, and got into uh, carrier uh, jets, A7s and F-18s from the, from the very beginning, and then um, one of my subsequent tours was as a test pilot, which sort of gave me the, huh. the um, credentials to, to apply to NASA. Yeah, I got to stop you there because you just so um, casually stated that you had a lot of carrier experience. So you were the you were the guy that was flying those planes onto those decks and uh, being caught by a big rubber band, huh? <laughs> so yeah, but flying around the ship is is about the most exciting type of flying I think there is. Um, landing on a carrier is, is more difficult than often many many other things you do, whether you're dogfighting or, or bombing um, or running low levels, but uh, a carrier is, is pretty wild. <laughs> I cannot imagine what that must be like. All right, um, combat experience? Did um, Desert Storm with the with the squadron off the, the Roosevelt. Uh, we were there as that uh, hostility commenced, and, uh, and so there was a lot of flying over Iraq and, and Kuwait that war. Yeah. You mentioned that you became a test pilot. Um, talk about that experience. And, and I mean, are you just uh, you're, you're in experimental mode all the time? As a test pilot, you get to um, operate and evaluate airplane modifications and new airplanes and new systems. Um, it was a, an opportunity to be an intellectual pilot. And, uh, and I thought that was a, a really great choice to uh, to pursue aviation from a, a more technical perspective, but it was really exciting. There's some there's some flying going on with as a test pilot that really um, made you be at the top of your game, hmm. and uh, and so that was that was a pretty exciting couple of years. Yeah. Any um, any moments that caused you a little concern? There was a few that uh, that made you um, a little bit nervous when you look back at it during the time. Of course, if you when you haven't. An engine um, have a problem at a high altitude or a high speed or a, a failure or um, 
something breaking when you're taking it to a, to a close to a limit. Uh, it was it was pretty exciting. But I I did have a couple times where specifically in the F-18 when uh, at high speed and when the flight control system's locked up, uh, made me a little bit uh, nervous afterwards. <laughs> a few apprehensive moments, huh? Yeah, to say sure. the least, right. Well, again, it's remarkable the career that God has given you. Uh, I want to talk about your NASA experience and uh, flying the shuttle, of course. But before we get that, uh, time out from your career for a moment to talk about the Lord. When did you uh, begin to follow Christ? As a young boy, our family was always in church. We, uh, we were, you know, a Catholic family that uh, were uh, quite um, dedicated to, to weekly attendance. But um, as, as in a lot of Catholics, the view of salvation wasn't quite as clear as, as it came later on in, in life. There was always sort of a an unknown factor that made you uh, uneasy with with your uh, faith, uh, there was not a clear picture of salvation, and and it wasn't until later in life, as a as an as an adult, that uh, it became so clear. Just to simply read the Book of John, it uh, it so clearly tells us the uh, the path to salvation and and how simple it is. It might not be easy, but it certainly is uh, simple with John three sixteen. Hmm. Well, it is amazing how the Lord leads, and He certainly has blessed your career, now retired, but it's been a remarkable life already. Um, tell me about your wife and family. Well, my wife and I have been married for almost, within a couple months here, 35 years. Um, we've got two wonderful kids that uh, that are now adults. Um, our daughter just had our first grandchild about 10 months ago. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, <laughs> which is really exciting. We had everybody here for... For Christmas, um, so with with this little girl Eliana Grace crawling around, it was really maybe the most uh, enjoyable Christmas we've had. And, and our son is um, graduated from the Naval Academy a couple years ago, and is is uh, as active duty um, with the Navy. So uh, we we are really fortunate with with our kids. Our our daughter's married to a young man who's almost finished with seminary. Um, he's at Gordon Cromwell, and um, so we couldn't be happier with. Uh, with our with our family, we're just truly blessed. And, and my wife is is uh, to hang through, you know, a Navy career and, and a NASA career um, has has seen a lot of uh, stress from that perspective, um, and it's still with. Me, so that's a wonderful thing. Let me take you back for a moment to your time on the Coral Sea, that carrier. Um, your shipmate was my friend Brad Meter, who put us together for this conversation. Uh, talk about what it meant to have uh, a man like that and, and other men, I'm sure, uh, to fellowship with when you're in such close quarters and, uh, you know, there has to be some stress involved. To go on a deployment for uh, five, six, seven, in this case, eight months is a stressful thing. And it's and if you have somebody that is a, is a true friend to be with and a, as, a, as a partner on that, um, I was really fortunate. So Brad and I shared a stateroom um, with the cat catapult number one running through our room. Um, <laughs> now, you have uh, to explain what that means. <laughs> so on the top of an aircraft carrier, you've got several catapults that launch an airplane from zero to 175 miles an hour in a couple seconds. And that the track for that catapult went through our, our room. It was had a housing around it, but when it fired, the room literally shook like somebody would grab your shoulders and, uh, and violently shake you. And was, the, the noise was 
pretty incredible. So you knew every time a plane took off from that carrier. <laughs> it was, uh, you weren't sleeping through it, that's for sure. <laughs> it, uh, it, but, but Brad was a wonderful friend, and, um, and, and during that course of that deployment, um, we got to be um, just very, very close. And he asked me one time, um, early, I think, in the, in the deployment about, about my faith. And at first I was a little bit taken aback, um, because I, I felt that I was, you know, fairly confident and, and strong in that. But when he asked a simple question about salvation, um, and I didn't have a very clear answer, um, he reacted just very wonderfully and just said, hey, why don't you pull out your Bible and just, just read the book of John, and, and then we'll talk. And and so as I did that, and, and the uh, the clarity of it, uh, struck me like like I had ever read it before, and it was um, a remarkable transformation and and the clarity of how simple um, salvation was to us. And I I will always appreciate that of, of Brad. That's a wonderful story, a, a, a gentle witness. Uh, that that's great. Tell me about the transition to NASA. Did you always aim at being an astronaut? Well, Wayne, I think I can't imagine that. A little boy not looking at airplanes and being fascinated, and I and I can't imagine a a little boy looking at um, the Apollo space flights and not thinking about that. Like we often think about you know, being a sports um, guy, like pitching in the World Series or playing in the in the Super Bowl, and that's how I thought of being an astronaut. That that was something for you know that was way out there, uh, a really exciting thing but not something that a, a boy from a small town could ever realistically um, dream of doing. And it wasn't until uh, becoming the test pilot that uh, that was the last uh, requirement to, to, to apply to be an astronaut pilot. And so when, when I did that, it was naturally the next step to, to make that application. But never did I think that was going to work out. It was just too... Uh, far out of it, a dreamlike kind of job. We'll continue talking with Captain Dom Gorey. He'll talk about flying the space shuttle coming up on First Person. This weekly program is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company. Together, we are committed to telling the stories of Christ at work in the nations of the world. FEBC broadcasts the gospel in nearly 50 of those countries, reaching people in over 100 languages, introducing them to God's love and discipling them through God's Word. To learn more about FEBC and its broadcasts, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and click the banner FEBC. That's firstpersoninterview.com. I'm Wayne Shepard, and my first-person guest today is Captain Dom Gorey, Dominic Gorey, U.S. Navy retired. He flew four shuttle missions, and yes, space shuttle missions, so uh, he's had a unique experience. That's uh, that's quite an exclusive club of uh, people you belong to there, Dom. Well, yeah, I think when we first got hired into our astronaut class, there had been on the order of 70 or 80 people that had flown in space, um, so it was pretty unique. And, uh, quite a, a different kind of job uh, than most people get to have. You flew four missions. I understand, was it two as pilot and two as mission commander? Right. And, and early on in the space program, they came up with some terms that were a little bit unique. They, nobody really wanted to be called co-pilot and pilot, so they came up with 
pilot and commander, and the, the pilot is really the co-pilot of the flight. Uh, and if you are a, a pilot astronaut, you will fly your first flight or two as a as the pilot or, in essence, co-pilot. And if you don't mess it up too badly, uh, <laughs> they'll give you the opportunity to fly as a commander, and I got to do that uh, two times as well. Can words begin to describe the feeling of rocketing off that pad for the first time? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, you can do your best with a, if you try to narrate a film or a movie that was taken from inside the cockpit, um, but even that doesn't grasp the the power and the um, strength of a couple solid rocket boosters literally shaking five million pounds of a of a launch vehicle um, off the launch pad. But it's it's a, a, a feeling and a sensation that is unlike anything you've ever experienced. So it's, it's powerful. Yeah. And then once you're in space, I mean, I know you have a, a long to-do list up there, but uh, do you ever just stop and gawk out the window? There were there were opportunities every day to um, maybe finish your work a little bit early or pause at the window and, and take in the view of creation floating by. And it, and it, it is sort of a floating sensation, even though you're going five miles a second. Uh, you can look down and, and gently see the Earth go by from a, a viewpoint that is very unique, and it was uh, exciting every single time. I think the the opportunity, even at night, right before you went to bed, um, to look out the window and uh, maybe turn out the lights and watch uh, a sunrise or a sunset, it was it was spectacular. Yeah, uh, again, an indescribable feeling, I'm sure. Uh, talk about the missions. What what generally was accomplished on those missions? They were. Very unique, Wayne. The, the first flight I did, we went up to the Russian space station, and we brought back an American astronaut who had been up there for several months. And then I did a, a flight where we did a radar mapping mission of the uh, entire Earth from about 60 degrees north to 60 degrees south, and, uh, so almost to the Arctic circles. Um, so when we use and, online mapping, is that because of your, your work? That The database, right, for that for that radar mapping generated a three-dimensional map of the Earth that's the basis for the most accurate maps that we have, including Google Earth, and when you see the mountain perspectives, and you can play with your computer and go down into the three-dimensional aspects of the terrain. That accurate database came from that radar mapping mission. Uh, And then the third and fourth flights I flew as the commander were to the International Space Station, and we brought up cargo and experiments and supplies and uh, large space station hardware like a new laboratory from Japan, we would bring back and trade out crews that were going up and coming back from long-duration flights. Hmm. What you and those with you on those shuttle missions did is remarkable. There's no question about that. But for those who spend months on that International Space Station, that that has to be a just a unique and trying experience, I would think. What do they say about it when you take them off that that thing in space? Uh, I think what the, what they really enjoy is getting back to to normal um, living experience, the, the beauty and the um, the comfort of of home. When you're in space, you have this unbelievable perspective of uh, of the Earth, and it takes a, a couple months. I usually hear that to really get comfortable with floating and, uh, and working and operating in, in zero gravity. But for us, as the, the space shuttle crews, our missions were only up to two weeks, two and a half weeks long. 
you were up there just long enough to start to get comfortable, but you were still sort of a bull in a china shop oftentimes. Um, and, uh, and it took a while to get comfortable with that, that uh, operating environment. Did your training really um, prepare you? I mean, for instance, in weightlessness, did, did it really compare to the experience itself? Uh, you could never really prepare yourself for the, the uniqueness of being in, in zero G. Um, the small little things about um, eating and uh, sleeping and and basic hygiene, you just had to get there and experience. No matter how many times <laughs> an experienced astronaut would tell you about it, that you had to get up there and, and lose your sock or a pen or your spoon um, <laughs> and figure out how to to deal with that. But the training for the the job, the robotics, the spacewalks, the rendezvous and and uh, and launch and landing. We had excellent simulators. The training for that was was really really good. But hmm. you, you you had to be there to uh, experience the the beauty of it and the and the small little mm-hmm. challenging parts of it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the robotics. I just had a conversation with a, a Christian brother who was in charge of the robotics lab at NASA in Houston for many years, and he'll be coming up soon on this program to talk about that experience. James Wong is his name. Um, Captain, you flew the first shuttle after 9-11. Do you remember what you said on the launch? There was a couple times where uh, you had to, as a commander, you had to make a little bit of a speech um, right before liftoff. And uh, and I remember, I think on that flight, uh, referring to the, uh, the strong country that we have and that uh, it was it was time to... I think in, in the words I used was "let freedom roar." Yes, um, we talked about how freedom rings, you know, loud and clear in our in our country. But uh, what was unique there was uh, a very clear message to the to the country, certainly to the folks in NASA, that we were going to persevere no matter what hmm. um, we were faced with because of the uniqueness of of our country. Yeah, I have the exact quote right in front of me, if I may. You said, we're all aware that for over 200 years, and certainly over the last two months, freedom rings loud and clear across the country. But right here and right now, it's time to let freedom roar. And you hit the start button, huh? <laughs> and then right after that, within a couple minutes, you're you're off the ground. But uh, it does truly roar. And for the people that were fortunate to be on the ground and watch that, uh, it's a powerful often life-changing experience when you feel the sound waves come across the uh, the water at the Cape. Um, but it was a it was a unique time. We were um, we were flying some flags that had been uh, in the rubble of of nine eleven. Uh, it was a it was a it was a unique opportunity to to regain I think our footing for the for the country. If I have my chronology correct, I believe you flew both before and after Columbia. Is that right? That is true. Yes, we. The flight after Columbia was was maybe the toughest for um, all the NASA families. Uh, of course, the danger and the uh, uh, rigors of spaceflight were demonstrated by the loss of Columbia and that crew. Hmm. And I was very close with those folks, but that was a tough time for for every family that that um, chose to fly again. Uh, you, the risks were very clear. And, uh, and and had enforced a lot of 
soul searching and, and praying and, uh, and discussions, of mm. course. I understand you played a key role in the aftermath of the Columbia explosion. Right. After, after we lost Columbia, uh, I was asked to go to a small town in Texas and uh, help and coordinate this search effort. And we had another astronaut that coordinated the search for the crew, the crew remains. And then uh, I was running the search for the uh, material of Columbia. And we ended up searching a couple million acres of, uh, of Texas to bring back what in and the end result was about 39% of the mass of oh, Columbia. And, wow. and with that, we were able to reconstruct the, uh, the vehicle and, and, uh, and focus on what the cause of the, the accident was. And only because of that were we able to fix it and, and press on to, to fly again. So that was a very unique time frame with people from all around the world um, and the country, of course, searching um, literally five or six feet apart oh. for hundreds of miles to pick up small pieces. Well, again, thank you for your service to our country, and especially during that tragic time. Um, Captain, looking back on such a career as you've had, talk about how the Lord has led you and directed your path. I understand you took a Bible then on the missions with you. I think it was right after I uh, got off the Coral Sea with Brad, and uh, I went out and, and got a new... Um, Bible that uh, has has seen a couple different covers, um, but on each flight I would take that and uh, and have an opportunity to, with it um, sitting next to the, the the seat that I uh, occupied on the shuttle, and you always had the opportunity to pull that out and uh, and read and, and draw um, clarity and comfort from that. I remember especially one time on Easter Sunday uh, having it there, and uh, and it was just a a, a wonderful um, time to uh, reflect on on the the beauty of the of the gospel. Uh, so from that kind of seat uh, to see and read about the, the glory of our of our creation uh, was uh, an awesome memory. Uh, so that that Bible has they actually have a couple stamps like on a at a post office uh, <laughs> on board the space station, and they'll they'll document um, like a passport, something that you want to uh, to record the moment. And so I've had a, I've got a couple stamps on there from the Russian space station, as, <laughs> as well as the International Space Station. My thanks to astronaut Dom Gorey for sharing his story with us today. We'll put additional information about Captain Gorey on our webpage, FirstPersonInterview.com. That's FirstPersonInterview.com. Our partner in bringing these stories to you each week is the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC's gospel-centered broadcasts are heard in many countries, including China, Russia, Korea, Japan, and the Philippines, just to name a few. And listeners respond warmly to hearing of God's love and offer of salvation. Plus, they are discipled in the Word. Learn more about FEBC when you visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Just click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com. And don't forget to download our first-person smartphone app available in the Apple and Google Play stores. Next week, we'll talk with Ken Isaacs of Samaritan's Purse, who's leading refugee and emergency relief efforts in many countries. Ken's story started with the drilling of a water well in North Carolina. You'll hear it next time. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.